You know, here's something I didn't expect to see. And I didn't expect to bump into today in the news feed. How about this for a headline, Will? Google making its own foldable smartphone with Samsung's help? Nice. Google Pixel foldable? Nah, come on. Google's, they got, they got out of the premium smartphone game. They're trying to move $350 units. Mm-hmm. They can't be coming back now. You can't do a foldable on a budget, can you? Well, they're always about utility. Might as well uh, make a utility phone. Well, here's the other thing. I don't know if you recall. I don't know how old you are. I know you're pretty old, but I don't know if you're old enough. Google, at one time, they had tablets. Do you recall? Nexus. Yeah, big big tablets. Yep. Android tablets. And so maybe there's some kind of a play there where they're like, okay, we don't do tablets anymore, but but this might represent an in-between that we have this folding phone, which sort of unfolds to a tablet-ish scale. I had all these tablets, by the way. I had every single one of those things. Yeah. I mean, I was making videos about it. But like, look at how antiquated that looks. 2012 Nexus 7. It looks so old. Uh-huh. My God, Will. <laughs> That's nine years. Is that nine years? I don't know. I remember you holding this one. You remember me holding it. Did when, you ever uh, hold it? <laughs> when we were like uh, first meeting, like an interview, I remember you. Whoa, easy, man. Jeez. And then you're going back to like the, the first. L- you're going back to when you and I met each other. Yeah. 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 Damn. And, you were, and this was like the latest and greatest. And then you're just holding it. At like a Starbucks, and it was like wow. a no big deal. I was like, "Hey, that's the new." And he was like, "Yeah, wow, yeah. that's cool, man. That's that's you just you just inserted into my brain a moment that w- wasn't there anymore." Oh, yeah. do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You could have said anything there, and I would have been like, "Wow, yeah." Did that because it's you know some things just kind of like unlock in the brain once you see like something or you smell it. Or you were unlocked. It. Yeah. That unlocked for you. For sure, yeah. It, I remembered it. I remember that Starbucks down there on King Street, but I didn't actually like you saying I had a Nexus, it could have been anything. Yeah. You could have told me I had an iPad. You could have told me I had a pink flamingo. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that one I might have questioned but, you. But as far as gadgets, I have no idea what I was carrying at that moment. But it was so specific because I remember it was the newest one. Yeah, yeah, no, the I hear you. newest Nexus. I hear you. I, I feel like, oh, like you were cool. tuned up, too. You're like, all right, I'm going to check out what this guy has because he has a channel. He's got all these gadgets all the For time. For sure, yeah. You were probably paying attention to that. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. Anyway, so Samsung is opening up set for sales of their foldable displays to other manufacturers. And that's how this thing gets rolling as far as Google is concerned because now... Any maker can come in there and say, listen, Samsung, here's the spec we're looking for. We're working on our own foldable. And Samsung said, okay, fine. No problem. Because that panel is the hard thing to do. So it's not just Google. Other names in this particular article, Oppo and Xiaomi. And each of them kind of looking for something different, apparently. So if we're talking about Oppo, for example, Oppo may be launching a clamshell foldable like the Galaxy Z Flip. It is sourcing an infolding 7.7-inch clamshell panel that's actually larger than the Z Flip's 6.7-inch display. So a really tall, hmm. you can imagine a really tall flipping device, super wide display on that particular product. And then Xiaomi's considering a form factor more like the Z Fold 2, so the folding tablet style. But it's also looking for a bigger display than what Samsung is currently using. It's looking for an 8.03-inch foldable display to purchase from Samsung. And for Google's part, they are looking for a 7.6-inch display. So each of these brands taking a slightly different approach. Now, it's important to say, Willie Do, that this, these may not end up making it all the way to commercial products. Mm-hmm. This could be early stage stuff. Like, we want to mess around with some different designs, and we're going to need displays to, to make that feasible. But 
I think the foldable th situation is about to explode now uh -huh. because you know how this goes. Once the oppos and things get their hands on this stuff, yeah. it's going to be 47 phones in one year. They're oh, all folding. Yeah. Uh-huh. Every which way. All the ways. You know, and... Uh, but it's, a, it's an interesting situation for a company like Samsung who they pretty much cornered the thing. They got out super early. They have this technology and now they need to balance... How available do we want mm -hmm. this technology be to our competitors in the smartphone business? How big of an impact will that have on our bottom line? Will it offset the potential lost sales because people would select some of those other devices? Yeah. And that's some mathematics that take place. That might, you know, that's a forecasting going on. Right. There might even be a spreadsheet involved. Oh, many. You know, you know your way around a spreadsheet, Will? Uh, Excel, yeah. I used to dabble. Wow. I still do. Wow. An Excel dabbler. Taxes and stuff. I'm always learning. I'm always learning something new here about you, Willie, dude. Yeah. Today's sponsor, Manscaped. You know about them. You heard about them. It's time to shave your balls. You didn't expect me to get right to it like that. Not burying the lead there. No, not at all. This is uh, the performance package available now. Uh, it's not just the balls. It's the, it's the grooming in general, Will. It's the nose hairs. Yeah. You know, it's getting out of hand. You get, a, you get a, up there in age. You start talking about events that took place in 2012. Mm -hmm. You're just talking about it like it was yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Some kind of old man over here, Willie Do. Uh -huh. But you got to take care of yourself. Of course. You understand there's new rules that go alongside it. Because mm -hmm. otherwise, you got the body hairs going out of control. I speak from experience here. And it's not just about the trimming. It's also, as you see here, the ball deodorant with mm -hmm. the, what do they call it? The preserver. You see that? Crop preserver. You got to preserve the crops. Mm -hmm. Anyway, they also, now they got cologne. And they say the cologne is a perfect complement to the collection. Uh, signature scent over here. The new refined cologne. Listen to this. It's light, approachable, and gentlemanly. Oh. And this, this is an area you need help as well. Me? In all the right ways. <laughs> I thought you were going to let that one just slide, Well, <laughs> Think of it as your wingman for the night to keep you fresh and ready for anything. Okay. Calming and inviting, the signature scent introduces a light citrus burst before settling into the anchoring notes of vetiver and a woodsy masculine finish. Wow. I don't know about you, but that, those type of words, they get me going. Woodsy. They get you going. Also, be sure to check out the Perfect Package 3.0, which has all the essentials for the below-the-waist grooming needs, including the Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer and crop formulations. It's time. The time is now. You're going to get 20% off plus free shipping. All you have to do is go to manscaped.com slash Lou. Once again, that's manscaped.com slash Lou for 20% off and free shipping, or just click the link down in the description because that'll be even faster. And uh, don't don't forget the slash Lou portion, or, or otherwise you're not going to get the 20% off, mm -hmm. and you're not going to support the show. So manscaped.com slash Lou. Now, speaking of Samsung, with their uh, folding, flapping, did I screw up the uh, order of the articles here? Uh, no. Yeah, that's the wrong one there. Oh, there we go. Is it this one? I did or you did? No, that's the wrong one. That's the wrong one. I don't one. even know if you have it. <laughs> okay, what is Click it? Click that one. No, that's not it. Oh, boy. Samsung has launched a trial program, which it's, I think is actually the S up at the top there. I'm going to guess. You have another S if you go more to the right. No, never mind. <laughs> They've launched a trial program, Samsung. Okay. Willie Doo's going to learn how to Google here real quick. And it's going to let you try one of their folding devices, either the Z Flip 5G or the Z Fold 2 5G. They're going to let you try it for 100 days. See if you like it. That's quite a long time. Yeah. With a smartphone. Uh-huh. 
That's more than three months, Will. It is. You don't even need it in Excel spreadsheet to tell you that. No. 100 days, and they'll say, they say, look, we're going to give you a trade-in credit, enhanced trade-in credit of 550 on approved devices and a $200 instant credit toward your wish list accessories and more. This is a limited time only. And if after 100 days you're not into it, no problemo. Hmm. Here's your cash. It's the first time they've done a program like this. The previous return window was only 15 days. Right. And that's because these, you know, it's a sensitive, it's a premium device uh -huh. with a folding display. Mm -hmm. So you're not expecting any kind of tremendous uh, return policy. Now, I know they just sort of flipped the language over here. You, you could say, oh, we're just going to, we have a three-month return window. But that doesn't sound cool. No. No. When you say a 100-day trial, I'm like, let me give it a shot. Yeah, it seems more enticing. So you have some my voice, I go, let me give it a shot. Uh-huh. That's what happens when you write that to me. I feel like I want a trial. Who doesn't want a trial? And they obviously are believing that most people are going to stick with it after the trial. Otherwise, they're going to be getting a lot of used devices back, uh, and that's yeah. no fun. Mm -hmm. So they believe in their product to the, to the extent that three months in, you're addicted. Three sure. months in, you're a folder. Folder? <laughs> You're a folder. Okay. You're a folder for life. Next story, Google is making a few cool Android experiments official today. I added the word cool to the headline from Android Police. I don't know uh, if you're uh, how up to date you are on the latest on the latest Android features, but there's a few cool ones in here that I like. Number 1 is the password checkup. I know you've seen this before. This is a terrifying a terrifying little pop-up that you would get normally in Chrome hmm. when you're, if your password for a particular website had been exposed in any kind of data leak. And then Google would say to you, hey, man, your password's no good anymore. Hmm. You've been, what have you been doing on all these websites? Because it was came out in a data leak and uh -huh. you're using it over here now too. Uh -huh. You had this happen recently. You were freaking out. You were frantic. Y yeah. Anything with passwords, exposed, compromised. It's brutal. It's anyway, time. this comes up in order to help you out and say, hey, man, your stuff has been exposed and it's time to change your password. Mm -hmm. And previously you would see this on Chrome and now you're seeing it right within Android as you mm -hmm. sign in to your various uh, applications and your email and so forth. So that's one little, one little enhancement to Android. Uh, here, that's now becoming official, available to everybody. Next up, scheduling for messages from the default messaging app. Okay. I can't imagine a circumstance in which I would ever personally use this. Yeah. But I assume some people, you can see in the demonstration here, she is talking about a birthday party, some birthday party details, I think. And, and maybe you're typing up a text at, 2 a.m. or something you don't want to ping somebody so you're like oh send right. that at 9 a.m. tomorrow that's a good idea you like it yeah he likes it yeah. he likes it well this is rolling out to everybody how about this dark mode for google maps which they've oh. been working on forever everybody wants this during the car at night you don't you don't care about this one don't they have it already no they didn't have it some no? people had like it. Like the daytime change. Some people didn't night. have it. Some people no? didn't oh, have okay. it. Now nah, everybody's got it. Well, well, I had that luxury. Uh, lucky me, I guess. All right. So you're 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 a dark mode guy. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. Daytime. Last one I want to talk about. There's an Android Auto update, and uh, this is gonna help you play games in your car. Mm. So you can play trivia with the family, with the youngsters, with the loved ones. Okay. And I don't know if you've ever played any of the Google Assistant games. I haven't done it on Android Auto, but I've done it just on Android. Kind of fun. Oh, yeah. And would be fun in the car and not too distracting. Uh -huh. Just some quick trivia and it'll go around and it knows how many people are playing and it will ask uh -huh. specific questions to the individual and they got to reply. Right on. And somebody wins and somebody loses. That'd be <laughs> an awkward trip. That's right. So, yeah, some cool improvements there. Go Go check your device. See what has been has become available to you. Oppo has demonstrated 
true wireless charging, apparently capable of delivering up to 7.5 watts of power over a short distance. This is not to the same extent as what Xiaomi showed off with the giant appliance that would be in the center of your living space and would be charging your device over RF no matter where you go, providing it with 5 watts of power. This is somewhere between what the, the air charges from Xiaomi and wireless charging as we know it today with the Qi standard. Right. You're, you're got a smirk on your face, Willie, dude. What do okay, we... What do, well, no, there's a trailer. Uh, let's, let's have a look first. Did you see it? What you trailer? The video? Isn't there a video? Yeah, yeah, there's a video right yeah. here. I watched the video. Or Yeah, video. That's not what you were laughing about, you liar. It is. <laughs> you're just laughing about this okay, video? Okay, well, first of all, they're having... Is, is this a rollable phone? Are you taking that? over the show right now? <laughs> well, you didn't mention it. Wow, okay, all right. Willie do, ladies and gentlemen. That's yeah, not the only cool it is, thing. it is. It's like a concept phone. It's a rolling phone. We've seen similar concepts, concepts to this shown off by LG. So yeah, the display rolls out, which is amazing on its own. But then also, they're sort of above this what looks like a wooden platform. And at first it behaves like a typical wireless charger. It's sitting on top of it and it's charging. And the motorized rollout happens, looks very cool. But then when the device is lifted up, even, you know, I guess what, what looks to be about a, well, not quite a foot away, but a handful of inches away from the surface. I'm guessing they actually probably say how many. 7.5 watts of power within 10 centimeters of the charge mat. Right. So you still got to be kind of close to it. And using it at that range is a little uncomfortable. That's what I'm saying. That's a bit weird, a bit yeah. awkward. Yeah, it doesn't seem hey, it's all that useful. I think what they kind of are just saying here is like, we're working on stuff. Sure. We're working on stuff. Yeah. Uh, there's an event taking place I didn't know about. MWC 21, 2021 in Shanghai. And you got to show stuff off, Will, if mm -hmm. you're going to do anything with an MWC-related presentation or title. Yes. You're just trying to showcase that you can do do things on concept. And so sometimes when you start looking at the immediate practicality of it, you're like, I don't get it. But I'm sure that they could increase the range or figure out a way to make it more useful. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, like you said, working at a distance of 10 centimeters from your charge surface, it doesn't seem like a thing you would do frequently. But maybe. Maybe it's like this, Will, at the desk. Maybe it's like this at the desk. And sure, I just yeah. lift up to here to use it, and then I put it back down. Uh -huh. And it's still charging the whole time. And now, listen, it's only 7.5 watts. These full wireless things are not going to be very power efficient. right? No. It's not going to be like a cable. You're going to be wasting electricity for sure. Uh, and it's 7.5 watts, so it's slow, but it is faster than what Xiaomi showed off with the RF delivery, and that thing was only 5 watts. So that's important to note. But uh, you know what? I agree with you, Will. The rolling aspect is probably cooler than the charging aspect. Yeah. And it kind of got overlooked because of the charging aspect in their launch video there. Yeah. Overlooked by... Uh, well, not overlooked, but like it was a secondary component in the yeah. article. Anchor is uh, beating Apple to the punch as far as magnetic battery packs for the MagSafe-capable iPhones, the new iPhones. That would be the iPhone 12s, 12 mini, 12 Pro, 12 Pro Max. It is called the PowerCore Magnetic 5K Wireless Power Bank, and it magnetically attaches to the back of your iPhone, uh, which, of course, gets rid of the need to carry a cable with you with your battery bank, which is kind of nice. Everything smoothly fits into the pocket you're not messing with any cables now coming from the last story a lot of people particularly in the comment section over here on mac rumors tend to get upset at the fact that you're you're not getting the most efficiency here as opposed to if you did have a cable mm. there's going to be some lost power which may bother you with an external battery bank i personally love the convenience of not needing a cable to be present the whole thing feels a little more slick uh, anyway, this device should be capable of completely recharging the iPhone 12 mini from 0 to 100. Regular iPhone 12 will go from 0 to 95%, and the iPhone 12 Pro Max will go from 0 to 75%, according to Anchor. Now, since this is not an official Apple product, 
it will be limited to 5-watt wireless charging compared to what Apple will likely deliver with its wireless charger uh, or wireless battery pack, mm -hmm. which should be capable of going up to 15 watts like their MagSafe charger. Mm -hmm. But... You can order this now and likely for a lot less than whatever Apple is probably going to charge for theirs. As you can see here, it's on pre-order on Amazon. It will be in stock March 17th, and the asking price is $39.99. So it'd be hard to imagine that Apple will be around that range. I'm actually curious when they do the product where they'll where where, where they'll put it. It feels mm -hmm. to me it could be anywhere between 50 and 100, anywhere in there. Right. Maybe, yeah. Could it be more than 100? Mm. When they sold the battery case, what did they sell that for? They probably st still sell it. It was a battery case. I guess the iPhone 11 probably even had it. I can't remember. Woof. Yes. So the battery case for 11 was 129. So let's just think about that for a second. It's possible that we get close to that $100 price point, which would make the Anchor even more attractive at $39.99. But of course, it's going to be cheaper. That's their their play, speed and cheapness. So uh, I think that's pretty cool. I think that could be useful for people. Uh, you know, the thing about it for me is I'm, tra I'm not traveling as much anymore. Mm -hmm. So the external battery thing would have been a thing I would have been using all the time. Mm. And I'm really not using it that much anymore. Mm -hmm. But... The world is about to open back up to a certain extent. And then everybody's going to want these things mm -hmm. as they travel around. Here we have some YouTube uh, YouTube news. Apparently, they're launching something called Supervised Experiences, which is going to help parents choose what content their kids can see because, you know, YouTube could be a nasty place over there, Will. Yes. The internet, really. Well, the internet, yeah. sure. But YouTube specifically tends to be a place where kids spend a lot of time mm -hmm. or could spend a lot of time. And it's tough to police what's going on over there. Mm -hmm. uh, it's this combination of machine learning and human review and users flagging things. It's so hard, man, mm -hmm. with the amount of content you're trying to police. Anyway, they're, they're looking to help parents bridge the gap between the YouTube Kids app and the full-out YouTube app. Because the YouTube Kids app is mostly for the real youngsters. And then you get the in-between where it's like, well, they're not trying to just watch uh, uh, Baby Shark. Mm -hmm. But also, there's stuff on YouTube is age-gated. There's stuff on YouTube that, I don't know, whatever. You don't, It's adult, yeah. adult in nature. So this new supervised experiences is a set of restrictions that will let you determine the level of strictness you choose for your kid from explore which youtube says is generally suitable for kids nine and up explore more which is kids 13 and up and then most of youtube which is everything except age-gated content and once kids are above 13 they can open their own youtube account anyway but as far as what each one of these is going to include, Explore would have vlogs, tutorials, gaming videos, music clips, news, educational content, and more. Mm. Which you know they had to throw that educational content in there. Mm -hmm. uh, Explore More goes to a wider range as well as live streams. And then the most of YouTube brings in sensitive topics that may only be suitable for older teens. They're trying to do like what the movie business did. Right. Or the TV business, I guess, with the rating in the corner and try to find the right content for the right age group. That's the goal here. But it's a it's a tremendously uh, am ambitious undertaking to try to f to not only set what those parameters are, but then to police those parameters and uh, ensure that the right stuff is going to the right places because of the sheer amount of content. Yes. But anyway. Uh, Bill Gates has, uh, he's been doing a lot of press. He's, he's putting out a new book. I guess he already put it out promoting a book. Mm -hmm. And he's been getting asked, asked a lot of questions about Tesla and Elon Musk because, you know, Bill Gates is all about the environment now. He's all about the philanthropy. Philanthropy. Yeah. He's all about the philanthropy. And, 
so people are curious what the, you know about this tie-in. Well, first of all, I think people like the fact that there could be some beef between them, just like regular sure. human stuff, drama stuff. But then also, people are trying to figure out, all right, so Tesla, environmental friendliness, uh, electric vehicles, carbon footprints and things. Some people were looking at saying, well, Bill, you should be a big fan of that because that seems like all the kind of stuff you're into. So what, what exactly is going on here? And then I guess uh, Elon came out and there was some kind of tweet in which he indicated that at some point Gates had a short position on Tesla. Mm-hmm. He talked about it on Rogan too. He thought that uh, Gates put a short. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I, think, I know he's talked about it more frequently lately which seems to coincide with a lot of the press that Gates has been doing. But, you know, it's just billionaire stuff, sure. right? It's just, there's, a, there's some competitiveness to it. Now, uh, a lot of people were wondering, okay, is there any way, should somebody just ask him, is there any way to know if he had this short position? Where, does, where do things stand now? And so Gates has been talking a lot more complimentary about Musk and about Tesla recently, saying, like, this is a big deal, this is good stuff. He has indicated it's not enough, and that there's other things that he wants to tackle, but he's been complimentary. But then on this latest interview, he's doing an interview over there on Bloomberg with, uh, I think her name is Emily. Funny enough, I think I did an interview with her at one time. Emily Chang? Emily Chang. I, I think I I think I was on his show at one time oh. around Bendgate, possibly. But anyway, she asked him the hard-hitting question. She goes like, straight up, dude. She said it like that. And she said, did you put a short on it, uh -huh. on Tesla? And and he kind of, you know, he has a semi-dodge, little nerves, semi-dodge, and then he basically kind of admits it. Oh, okay. Not exactly, but he says, I wish I had been long on Tesla, mm. which is kind of a way of saying, maybe I was short on Tesla. Hmm. And, and then he flips it around and says, no, you know, my opinion, you know, basically my opinion changed on the matter. And uh, and I think what Tesla's doing is amazing. Right. But people care about this stuff. People are curious. You know, they they listen to what the billionaires are up to mm -hmm. and what their feelings are. And it turns out that I think I think you're going to see it uh, uh, more of a relationship between these two now. Okay. Based on the language I'm seeing. Cool. It's possible, Will. Yeah. I don't know. Am I playing matchmaker? Yes. We have a better look at the new Ionic 5 from Hyundai, and you and I have been really interested in this car. I think this car has huge potential. Well, I don't need to tell you. You already know that. They're talking about some really cool technologies. It seems competitive. It seems like they kind of get it, like what this EV stuff is about and what people are looking for. I look at the design of the car, Man, look at the rims. I look at the design of the car, Will, and like I know this is going to be a relatively affordable car, uh -huh. which is important to note because they, they typically don't look cool. Relatively right. affordable cars typically don't look cool. This is going to be that car, and it's going to look cool, and it's going to look futuristic, but somehow without looking over the top or like it's trying really hard, hmm. somehow they, they were able to... to uh, walk that line. Yeah. If you go to the profile shots from the side down there, it looks kind of like a, like an Audi maybe sort of like one of those sure. smaller Audi SUVs. But then it also kind of looks like a fast hatchback. It's, it's just a really cool looking little car. But then I'm like, wait a sec, is it actually little? Because when you get to the interior shots. Which is maybe the most interesting for me out of the bunch, the interior shots. Look how spacious it looks in there. You got to, she's lying down, little leg rest. She's almost fully reclined. She's taking a nap. And I just love this interior. It's bright and airy and futuristic. Two big displays in the front. Tons of leg room down there. And, uh, Everything slides back and forward as we showed the last time we talked about this car. They put the teaser out. We got the official look at it now. I just love the fact they added those little pads for your legs in the front. And look at the curvature on the backrest so it fits to the almost flat when it folds down on the rear seats. 
it sort of perfectly fits in there. Of course, you got lots of glass. Got the glass on the roof and all around you. And it's just something about the light tones that's taking off on the interior now. Uh-huh. The light tones on the interior making it feel big. Well, they don't even want to call it an interior. They got a name for it, Will. It's like living space. Oh, you, wow. Yeah, it's, it's a living space, Will. Yeah. Don't you dare. Well, call, you can live in there. Yeah, don't call it an interior. Uh-huh. All right? It's a living space. Uh, anyway, the, the other exciting part and important part is the recharge capabilities. These are not going to be the most performance crazy vehicles. It's not really the target, man. You know, you're looking at on the 72.6 kilowatt hour battery, you're looking at 0 to 100 km in, uh, you know, 5.2 seconds. All right? Okay. So it's not, it's not breaking any speed records. But you know with an electric vehicle, you're going to have some torque. It's going to... Mm -hmm. But what I like is the recharge for, for, the, for the real utilitarian feature. The ability to turn, I think, 18 minutes. We talked about this before. Where is it? I think it was 18 minutes into 80% of the car's battery. 10 to 80 in 18 minutes. 10 from 10 percent battery to 80 percent battery in 18 minutes i love this uh -huh. that's that's important uh -huh. right there and uh, it's using both 400 volt and 800 volt charging infrastructure dc fast charging at 350 kilowatts uh there's one other thing to mention here oh price here we have it they haven't confirmed pricing but it's expected to start at thirty thousand dollars that's pretty good thirty thousand dollars Willie Do just bought what one. This? Willie Do just bought one. <laughs> Look at well, it. Well, this or the Mach E? What do you think? Well, but a nice, a nicely equipped Mach E, you're not paying 30. No. No way. It is very nice too. But it looks similar, like in terms of the shape. Yeah, they took a slightly this one has a few more straight lines. Yeah. The Mach E is is a little curvier. Uh-huh. Particularly in the front end. But I'm telling you, I don't I don't think you're getting a Mach E. For thirty thousand, I'm pretty sure you're not. Yeah, starting at forty-two eight ninety-five. Right. So that's quite a difference. Now mm -hmm. you could spec one of these Ionic fives up to around forty grand. Again, this is speculation at the moment. But yeah, you know what? It's funny they they have a similar shape but yet different. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway, cool. Cool, cool new cars coming out. Here's a leak of a new AirPods competitor. It is uh, the Sony WF-1000XM4 in-ear headphones. And I saw this, I was like, that is a weird looking shape. Hmm. It, it, it looks kind of like an, an earring or kind of a jewelry aspect to it. Hmm. Now, of course, it's going to go in your ear. And we know Sony knows how to make headphones. And we've seen what they've done with the over-ear headphones we've been talking about forever. XM, XM4s. They use the same term. It's yeah. very difficult. It's the same. It's very exactly. difficult. It's very difficult. So WH-1000XM4 is the over-ear, and WF-1000XM4 is the in-ear. And uh, Willie Do's just seeing other types of M4s yeah. on Google Images. Anyway, this is a leak of the upcoming in-ear true wireless earbuds xm4 and apparently uh these are going to have all the features you'd expect in a premium in-ear to compete with apple's product including high-res audio the wireless certification stamp is on there uh 18 hours of of battery when you include what the case provides six hours of playback on the earbuds themselves and Obviously, also the noise-canceling features. I'm sure the transparency features are going to be there. But the design of it is, is curious to me because I'm seeing that little kind of rose gold metallic section. Is that just styling or is that one of the microphones? Are they doing something fancy? It's just a leaked image at the moment. So there are still questions here. But I'm really curious about whether that's a functional piece or strictly a style choice. But it feels, does it feel big? It's hard to tell. I'm guessing this is where the it goes in to your ear, this part. That's where it goes in, Will. Right here? Yeah, that's right. 
Yeah, and I think uh, the other piece sits yeah, up into the ear canal. Big. At least the. I'm guessing it hangs up. Maybe version. it can hang. Maybe right it can hang down. No, I'm guessing uh, it it sits up above. It looks like it. Yeah. And then probably fits under the cartilage in the ear there. Sure. I'm curious, man. We're gonna have to wait and see, but uh, I don't know. Maybe you want to hold off, and uh, if you're in the market for uh, a wireless earbud, okay. This next one. Speaking of wireless earbuds. You know how Spotify recently announced the Hi-Fi that they're mm -hmm. going to be doing uh, lossless? Was it lossless or just higher? It was lossless, right? Lossless, yeah. Yeah, and and I find this article really nice little article over here on the Next Web. Who is the author of such an article? It is written by Napier Lopez, and. He says, before you pay for Spotify Hi-Fi, try to pass this lossless audio test. And essentially what this is, is it's a test that plays back the same song at a different bit rate, mm -hmm. essentially. And it's an A-B test and you listen to it five different times and you have to accurately connect which one was which. And then you do it again on a different song. And then you do it again on a different song. There's a website you can go to. It's linked in here in the article. It's called Digital Feed ABX Test. And he's suggesting that people use it before they upgrade because the truth of the matter is most people can't tell the difference between, never mind lossless, most sure. people can't tell the difference between two, 256 and 320. Yeah. Let me I, give let me give you let me give you some now oh you know what before I give you some statistics I should tell you that a lot of this has to do with your listening environment. Like what type of equipment are you using? Right. To begin with. Like yeah. if you're on a, t a little set of earbuds or god forbid your phone speaker or uh, or wi just wireless transmission of some kind you're already at a point where probably this enhancement is insignificant. Mm -hmm. And actually what he found in his comparison is, first of all, even with his with $400 headphones, he couldn't tell the difference. Or really? he, he failed the test. Oh. Then there's a couple times he could pass it, but he needed the perfect environment. I had to listen to components of the song over and over and over again to be able to get it. Bringing into question, if it's that razor thin, do you really want to be paying extra money on the monthly for it? Right. It makes me think, okay, if people are wanting to subscribe to this, uh, what is this, subscription? Um, who are these people? They're probably audiophiles. Absolutely, right? have to be. So <laughs> is this guy an audiophile? Like, does he describe himself as well, someone Well, he who seems to indicate he has quite a bit fidelity. of a quite a bit of equipment because he says at first I tested on my $400 headphones and then he was like then I used all my equipment to try to get it to win it. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm assuming that that means some separate amplification yeah. and wired headphones and 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 the whole the whole thing. Are you going to try it? Did you try it? I tried it, yeah. Oh, okay. But I just tried it with wireless headphones. Oh. And so it was a complete waste of time because, first of all, with wireless headphones, I had to, even the AirPods Max, I was like, mm. like, I could really try, but I was like, I'm not going to take all afternoon on this for a small discrepancy thing here. Uh, now, this is not to downplay the idea of losses. It feels really good. Like, I think there's a kind of confidence that comes from listening to losses that you would be like look i know everything is here i feel mm -hmm. comfortable at the fact that everything is here as opposed to how compression may affect this variety of songs like maybe there's some song that is affected more than some other some other track i mean it's totally possible right so but the truth of the matter is at least what he found and he referenced the survey listen to this survey <laughs> which happened a few years ago there's 151 participants, so not a huge sample size. And they were given two sets of samples, one lossy set and one lossless. 30% thought the lossless tracks sounded better. 18% said there was no difference. And 52% actually preferred the lossy track over the lossless one. Huh. 
So what does that tell you? It's like, what are you even listening for? Uh-huh. Like, what is good? And what do people like? It's razor thin, this thing. So I'm, I'm glad that they're adding it for those individuals who can really discern the difference. But I think for the majority of the population and the majority of listening habits, it's not a real thing. Mm. And so have yourself a fun time. Wire up your chain, how you listen to music. Go check it out on the test. If the difference is immediately discernible to you, the way you listen to music, in other words, your setup, then okay, go for it. But if you can't tell a difference at all on your setup, then you might want to resist the urge to add the extra feature. Right. But there is the peace of mind aspect. Mm -hmm. Just knowing you have the best version of something is kind of, it's worth something. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you saw this one. This is a first, actually, for me. Spot, the Boston Dynamics robot, we were talking recently about how those guys from Mischief, they put a paintball gun on him. Well, this is the first time I think I've seen him in law enforcement. I saw Spot, I think it was in Singapore or something, kind of walking around a park for when COVID first started for social distancing, but not in a police outfit. Hmm. This one is painted blue and part of the NYPD. And the name for it that they've got for it is Digidog. Digidog. And some people caught caught it on the street, apparently aiding in some sort of home invasion circumstance. Oh. And I don't know what the mod is or like or what the attachment is that they've got in the head there. Is it a 360 camera? I think I'm, so. That's what that one is? Yeah, I think so. Now, this one for me... It's obviously complicated because there's some people that say, oh, this is the beginning of the end. Uh, okay, I hear you on that. Robots don't have feelings. Imagine an entire swarm of them coming into a circumstance that's complicated, like a lot of these situations are. But then, same time, I'm like, I mean, representing the other side of the conversation do you want to be the first one through the door, right? If you try to put yourself in the shoes of the person coming into the situation, who would be the alternative to the robot? Mm-hmm. You, want to, you want to be walking into some violent circumstance and risking your life or what? Like you can understand the appeal of sending a robot mm-hmm. through the door baby first. And you know, the other thing that they use, which is important to note, in the absence of the robot, they send the dog. I'm talking about the real dog. Yeah. Uh, The police dog. Yeah. And so it's like, all right, in that circumstance, they're highly trained, effective uh, animals. But people have bonds to those dogs. It's a living organism. And uh, things could go sideways for the dog, too. Mm -hmm. So it's just I'm just trying to represent both sides of it over here because it becomes a controversial subject. Yeah. Now, it's important to note their digit dog is not equipped with any kind of weaponry. It looks to be just a 360 camera. It looks to be a surveillance type of thing where it's going to, you know, survey the landscape, get right. into the situation, see what's going on, patrol. and patrol and not put anybody at risk. But I mean, it is one thing to see one of them, but if you saw dozens on the street or a hundred, marching, that's a different, you. you know, in sync. That's a different story as well. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's the first blue one I've seen. They painted it blue. It's cool. Part of the police department. I guess it's got to be blue. Did you think Rolls Royce vehicles were fancy, Will? Yeah. Yeah, they just made it fancier. They're described as fancy. They just made it fancier. Oh. How? I don't know, more lights and stars okay. and stuff on the inside. This is called the Phantom Tempest, and they took it to another level. I mean, they just got completely out of hand with the lights and stuff, uh-huh. and they made a limited number of these and charged a bunch of money, and And I'm sure that they sold them all, by the way. Oh. We're just seeing pictures today, but you got to let them know way in advance if you want something like this. Uh-huh. The dashboard called Frozen Flow of Time Gallery... 
is a single billet of black anodized and hand-polished aluminum milled to feature 100 individual columns. Light reflecting off the dash gives the design a ripple and flex effect, even though it's a solid structure. This is the, these are the things you need, Will, in your life. I don't know if you knew that. No. There's a quote in there from Albert Einstein inside the vehicle. It says, The distinction between past, present, and future is only a stubbornly persistent illusion. Wow. Yeah, that's right. When you have this kind of money, those are the type of quotes you read on the daily. Very uh, grand. That's right. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge space kind of theme to it on the inside. Uh, I mean, it looks like a cool place to hang out. I'll mm-hmm. be honest with you. And Look, There's a galaxy in there. That's all it is. If you want access right to the galaxy, there. you just have to buy this particular vehicle. It's really that simple. Anyway, uh, Rolls-Royce says that the 20 bespoke Phantom models it plans to build have already been allocated to customers, so don't even try it. They will be treated to a personalized spirit of ecstasy that can sport a significant date and location of the owner's choosing. The spirit of ecstasy is the symbol on the front, by the right, way. Yeah. Of course you knew that. Yep. You don't need to be told. Rolls-Royce enthusiast Willie do. All right, last one of the day. I don't know if you're familiar with this store, Fry's Electronics. But uh, you ever heard of them? I've heard of them, yes. Yeah, Fry's is mostly on the West Coast. And I have some memories myself because of going to CES so many times. They had a location in Vegas, which would sometimes be a hub for YouTubers and stuff because you would need some gadgets or cables or so you would end up at Fry's in Las Vegas. And it was a big store. I don't know, maybe 50,000 square feet. I don't know what it was. And a, a nice selection and variety at the time, which was, of course... Many years ago for myself. They all look different. That's that's what their thing was. Like well each theme. Each one had a unique theme. Uh. They were having fun with it, you know? Yeah. And there's no fun in the future. You're not allowed to have fun. No. You know, if you have fun, you go out of business. Oh. Like look at they had to put the thing on the door. We match internet prices. Mm. Like they had to tell people, man, we're we're over here. We're fries. We're having fun. Yeah. But of course things went downhill and you'll find videos on YouTube. People visiting fry stores, they couldn't, they didn't have any stock in the stores. Oh. These were superstores, man. They used to have, some of them used to have food courts on the inside. Oh. I mean, it was a real experience at one time. And obviously they couldn't, you know, maintain it. It's been a lot of things going against retail in general, let alone technology-based retail where it's, it all moved online, as you're aware. Mm. Anyway, after... 36 years in business, Fry's Electronics is no more. As of today, they are permanently closing all stores nationwide. Here's the statement. After nearly 36 years in business, as the one-stop shop and online resource for high-tech professionals across nine states and 31 stores, Fry's Electronics has made the difficult decision to shut down its operations and close its business permanently as a result of changes In the retail industry and the challenges posed by the COVID-19 pandemic, the company will implement the shutdown through an orderly wind-down process it believes will be in the best interest of the company, its creditors, and other stakeholders. The uh, Fry's had two dozen stores, mainly in California and Texas, then six other stores in Northern California, eight in Southern California. I said that in a weird way. Most of them were in California and Texas. Six in North California, eight in South California, eight in Texas, two in Arizona, one in Georgia, Illinois, Indiana, Nevada, Oregon, and Washington. So I've actually, I used, I went to a couple in, actually, you, you know had what? fond memories? I went to one in Los Angeles area as well. Okay. Which used to be near Rogan's old studio. I don't remember what I needed, but I stopped. I had to stop in. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah, I have a few memories of Fry's Electronics. But certainly, I'll give you one right now. We were on a hunt. This is uh, actually shout out to Austin, Marquez, John, all the other tech people. We were trying to upload videos. I don't remember which year CES this would be. 
And we were staying at, we would always try to hunt the right hotel to have a fast connection speed. Nowadays in Vegas, everything is pretty good. But back then, that wasn't necessarily the case. You could have a, like a two megabit connection in some of these hotels. I remember changing hotel rooms and paying for the previous booking, just changing complete hotels just for a shot at uploading videos. Huh. That's how crazy it was. Now, you always had the press room at the, at the uh, convention center, mm-hmm. but it was a bit sweaty in there, and it was, yeah. you know how a press room might be. Uh-huh. So we would always be on a hunt for the fast, uh, for the fast connection. We were staying at this hotel, MGM Signature, all right? And I had thought that it was possible that we were getting throttled. Okay. On the connection over Wi-Fi because you would connect with a Wi-Fi. And I would see everybody getting the exact same amount. And I was like, let me just goof with this a little bit, see if I can unlock a little more bandwidth. And so I found myself at Fry's trying to get a couple adapters, trying to get a switch. I was trying to get a, I don't know if it's a gigabit switch. It may have just been a, uh, what is pre-gigabit? 10 100 just just a just a regular ethernet switch yeah prior to gigabit and a bunch of cables and trying to figure out a way to get everybody connected with a better upload speed by hard wiring so you hacked it not really i mean it wasn't that elaborate but it's just i remember all of us going to fries and and trying to figure this thing out and and that's my memory at least at the las vegas fries electronics or maybe yeah it was definitely fries that we ended up going to I don't know if it fixed it or solved it either in the end, but it was quite a challenge. It's one of those uh uh one of those fun experiences. CES memories. There's not, you know, well I was telling you earlier, I you know, you forget about a lot of things. I don't know why this one I remember. Yeah. But I remember this one. Yeah. So shout out to everybody who was there. Shout out to everybody who ever went to that Fry's. Shout out to the CES crowd. I remember one year I was standing out front at Fry's Electronics and I was thinking, and I would open Uber to get a ride back uh-huh. and it was a helicopter. It was helicopters you could get. Oh, wow. Because Uber was doing a promo around wow. CES. Uh, you, could get a, you, could, you could schedule a chopper on the Uber app. Well, did you immediately take it? No, because, oh. because it wasn't a real Uber in a chopper. It was like... They were doing just chopper rides. Oh, okay. But they, by putting it in the Uber app, it was like they got people talking about right, it. Right. Anyway, what am I doing? Trip down memory lane? What am I doing right now? Shout, shout out, out to everybody Fry's. who ever went to a Fry's Electronics. And shout out to Fry's Electronics for 36 years. 